0: Welcome to the Mama Theologians podcast. Mama Theologians is an online motherhood ministry on mission to revive spiritual growth in the midst of motherhood. We offer our devotional and narrative podcast episodes to further equip mothers in theological study, biblical literacy, and spiritual formation. We pray that God will use these offerings for His glory and that He will revive and deepen your spiritual growth in Jesus. I'm Rachel Lynn Lawrence, the founder of Mama Theologians and your podcast host. I'm a mom just like you who is clinging to Jesus and growing more in love with Him in the midst of motherhood. You are listening to our fourth Advent study episode, which will serve as a recap of week 3. While we will be referencing our free Advent study, O come O come Emmanuel, marveling at the magnitude of the incarnation, and we will be referencing our readings from the book On the Incarnation and our scripture readings. If you haven't began our study, I believe that this episode will still be beneficial to you. If you'd like to join in on our study, sign up today at mamatheologians.com advent and your study guide will be sent to your inbox. In our past episodes of our Advent study, we have discussed the gospel story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, mainly the creation and the fall, and our humanity's vital need for a savior, or as Athanasius terms, the divine dilemma. The historical context that Athanasius wrote his book on the incarnation we discussed, we also discussed the promise of the savior and how others anticipated the savior, Jesus's first coming and how we ought to anticipate Jesus' second coming. So today, we are reflecting upon the birth of our Savior, Jesus, and some theological insights on what the word incarnation means in relation to Jesus. So let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful that you have given us minds to think about and to reflect upon the greatness of who you are and the greatness of this magnificent plan of salvation that you have enacted through your son, Jesus. God, will you help us to understand? Will you help us to look solely to you? I pray that this episode will give a deeper understanding and awe, a deeper love of your son, Jesus. So God, use it as you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week we focused on the different anticipations that Mary and Joseph had as they awaited the birth of their savior. This week, our Bible reading plan took us through different ways that people responded to the birth of Jesus. And so I encourage you to go through and read those biblical passages and reflect upon the responses that others had to the birth of Jesus. And you can do so by going to mamatheologians.com advent and you can sign up for our free study to receive that study guide there. But for this episode, we are going to discuss the Incarnation. Our study is called, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Marvel at the Magnitude of the Incarnation. And I named it as such because I can often find myself not marveling at the Incarnation of Jesus. Growing up in a Christian church, I find that it is all too easy for this awe, this wonder, to really become plain. And I've also found it easy to simply fall into a lackluster or lukewarm belief in Jesus that can be really just numb to this awe or to this wonder that we should rightly have at our holy God and at his miraculous plan for salvation. Who is Jesus? Have you felt that way? Let's open up by talking to God about the times that we have or what we may currently be experiencing when our heart feels lukewarm or lackluster when we have this lukewarm or lackluster heart posture towards the magnitude of God sending his son to become a baby his son who always was and always will be Jesus who enacted and secured salvation for those who believe in him. So let's talk to God and ask his spirit to enliven our hearts so that we may marvel again or we may marvel for the first time at the magnitude of his incarnation. So, what does Incarnation even mean? By dictionary definition, Incarnation is, quote, "...is a central Christian doctrine that God became flesh, that God assumed a human nature and became a man in the form of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the second person of the Trinity." Christ was truly God and truly man. The doctrine maintains that the divine and human natures of Jesus do not exist beside one another in an unconnected way, but rather are joined in him, in a personal unity that has traditionally been referred to as the hypostatic union. The union of the two natures has not resulted in their diminution or mixture, rather the identity of each is believed to have been preserved. So we discussed in our recap of week one the difficulties that arose in the early church in regards to questioning who Jesus was. We talked about how Arianism arose and tried to dismantle Christianity's core beliefs in stating that Jesus has not always been. And we briefly talked about how the early church councils were vital in defending and constituting the core doctrines, the belief that formed the foundation of Christianity and what we believe. And so in these councils, in particular, the Council of Nicaea in 325, determined that Christ was begotten, not made, and that he was not a creature but was creator. And Athanasius, the author of our book that we're going through, was a part of this and was also vital after this council and the council of Chalcedon in 451 which declared that Jesus was perfect in deity and in humanity and that the identity of each nature was preserved in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we talked about this definition of incarnation in that episode, and we've also talked about the divine dilemma, the point in which Adam and Eve disobeyed God and the curse of sin entered our world, in which God acted upon his holy character to provide the gospel in a way to be reconciled back to himself. And this is where the incarnation comes in. Athanasius explains the Incarnation beautifully by saying this, The incorporeal and incorruptible and immaterial word of God entered into our world. End quote. So let's break that down a bit. Incorporeal means without matter, without a body, as does immaterial. And incorruptible means not being able to be corrupted, And we know that corruption comes from sin. So incorruptible is being unable to sin or be affected by sin. And so with that in mind, I'll read that quote again by St. Athanasius. The incorporeal and incorruptible and immaterial word of God entered our world. End quote. Jesus, the incorruptible and incorruptible word of God. This person of God that has always been and always will be was now with us through the incarnation in a new way. He was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is Who was moved by compassion and love for us, and who was unable to allow the curse of death because of sin to have mastery over us, the divine dilemma, the Word Jesus took on a human body and surrendered it to death for us all. Such an act, this incarnation and this salvation, could have only been performed by God. Of whom Jesus fully was. Jesus came and took on flesh, the incarnation, because he so loved us. Jesus, who created, loved us and did not wish for us to fall into eternal just punishment for sin. He entered into our world and took on a body as our own so that he could enact a recreation. He could loose the bonds of sin and death once and for all through his works and through who he was and is, God. St. Athanasius, in the book we are reading for our study, describes this well, quote, For this purpose then, The incorporeal and incorruptible and immaterial word of God entered our world. In one sense, indeed, he was not far from it before, for no part of creation had ever been without him who, while ever abiding in union with the Father, yet fills all things that are. But now he entered the world in a new way, stooping to our level in his love and self-revealing to us. He saw the reasonable race, the race of men that, like himself, expressed the father's mind, wasting out of existence and death reigning over all in corruption. End quote. That was Saint Athanasius. And so Jesus entered our world in this new way. In this new, miraculous way, Jesus, who is God, took on flesh, was conceived miraculously in a way that transcends the natural laws of nature, and that is indescribable and unable for our finite minds to understand. Jesus was knitted and formed in Mary's womb, and he lived on earth for around 30 years. Again, Athanasius' words on this are important to reflect on. Quote, He, the Mighty One, the Artificer of all, himself prepared this body in the Virgin as a temple for himself and took it for his very own, as the instrument through which he was known and in which he dwelt. Thus, taking a body like our own, because all our bodies were liable to the corruption of death. He surrendered his body to death instead of all and offered it to the Father. This he did out of sheer love for us so that in his death all might die and the law of death thereby be abolished because having fulfilled in his body that for which it was appointed, it was thereafter voided of its power for men. That was Saint Athanasius. A seminary textbook author describes this well, and he says, God created us, God called us good, so when we responded with disobedience and fell so deeply into corruption that we were held hostage by sin and death, God did the only thing possible to save us, taking form in a human body so Jesus could die. By countering the corruption of death with Jesus, perfect incorruption, God created conquered death once and for all and i'm just going to read that last sentence again because i think that does a really good job of summarizing what athanasius was talking about in um, the paragraph that i read prior by countering the corruption of death with jesus's perfect incorruption god conquered death once and for all and so god sent his son because he so loved us He sent the Messiah, our Savior, the promised one, to provide the only way for us to be in right relationship with God. And for the chains and curse of sin to be utterly gone from those who love and believe in Jesus, God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. This solution to our sin, for all of us have sinned and deserve death, we deserve to be separated from our holy God. Our miraculous solution and salvation was found through the incarnation of the word of God and through the person and work of Jesus. Jesus, being fully man and fully God again, was the only one to bring about salvation and recreation for he was God and he could recreate the human body for he had become fully man and lived perfectly in human flesh. Jesus, the word of God, was the only solution to bear the curse of sin and offering his body as the perfect sacrifice for all. Not only did Jesus live perfectly in human flesh, but he rose above human flesh in the resurrection. For even death of his body could not defy Jesus, who is God. The only solution was the person and work of Jesus Christ through the incarnation. The incarnation. As Saint Athanasius recounts, he says, Or who was needed for such grace and recalling except the God word who in the beginning made the universe from non-being? Being the word of the Father and above all, he alone consequently was both able to recreate the universe and was worthy to suffer on behalf of all and to intercede for all before the Father. So again, the incarnation is the act in which the word of God, the son, Jesus, took a spotless human body to be made into a temple used as an instrument in which he became fully man, yet remained fully God. The word of God, Jesus, came to seek and save that which is lost. Namely, what was lost was the created humans who God desired to save from the curse of sin and to restore knowledge of Himself. Can we marvel at this? Can we marvel at this wondrous miracle of the Incarnation? Can we marvel at this salvation not only that Jesus enacted for us? Can we marvel at the salvation that Jesus has bought for our children? For our children, as they believe in Jesus Christ, can we marvel that God gives this salvation? May we marvel at Jesus. To finish our episode, let's take some time to thank and praise God for his wondrous work of the incarnation of Jesus. Let's thank him for providing the way, the only way, to be back in right relationship with him. Let's thank him for his forgiveness of our sins. Let's tell him about our awe and marvel at Jesus' incarnation. Music for our Christmas podcast series, which has already begun and includes Christmas essays from our mama theologians all the way up until Christmas, our music is composed and played by our talented mama theologian, Kylie Dunn. Our last episode for our Advent study will release Sunday, December 26th. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and automatically download all of our Christmas episodes so that you will have ample to listen to as you make Christmas cookies, drive to and from work, are awake with a newborn, maybe drive to a family gathering, or enjoy as you are making Christmas dinner. We pray that all of our episodes are used by God to draw your heart near to him. So we just released Adrian's Longing for Emmanuel and Leslie's Gifts and Gratitude on Deserved Abundance. In honor of the Christmas week, we have four more Christmas episodes releasing. On Monday, December 20th, you'll hear Denise's Christmas with Christ. On Thursday, December 23rd, you can hear Laura's When the Time Came. On Christmas Eve, Kelsey's Jesus the Nursling, And on Christmas Day, Elizabeth's The Deliverance. Since our next episode won't release until Sunday... On behalf of the Mama Theologians team, I want to wish you and your family a wonderful Christmas. A Christmas where you rejoice in the birth of our Savior Jesus. And may you wait well with deeper and deeper understanding and awe of what Jesus has done and what he will do. Let's marvel at the magnitude of our God.